Okay, hello everyone. I'm Shimon Felix, uh, and I'm uh, substituting for the evening. Glad you can make it. Um, what we're going to look at this evening is uh, not really, it's not really about the Pasha HaShavua, it's about the Pashiot that we're looking at now. It's, uh, what we're going to look at first is the Ramban's Hakdama to Sefer Shmot. And it, it deals with the whole Sefer, actually. Um, and so it includes what we're going to read this week, but it's really a sort of overview of the whole Sefer, the whole book. Um, and if we, we finish in time so that no one should feel cheated, we also have something on the page from the Parsha. So no one should be able to complain that, that we didn't even learn the Parsha. Um, but it's the Parsha Plus, it's a bonus, it's the whole Sefer. So, as you know, the Ramban writes a Hakdama to all of the Hamisha uh, Chumshay uh, Torah. The first one, Hakdama to Bereshis, is very extensive. Uh, it's really a Hakdama to the whole Torah. And as such, takes a long time to learn. It's like a, quite a few pages. Um, and it's, it's uh, the most Kabbalistic uh, of the Hakdamot. And one of the richest Kabbalistic passages in the Ramban, you know, the Ramban was a Makubal. Uh, and he gives you little snippets of Kabbalah all along as he goes along and he seems to have had in mind to sort of make uh, nefashos to uh, convince people to learn Kabbalah because the Ramban wrote his Sefer with the intent that people would read it and learn it with Pasha Shavua. he wrote it to be uh, mass distributed it wasn't written for the Yechidei Skula it wasn't written for the Kubalim he says explicitly that he wrote it in his, in his Hakdama he says explicitly that it's for everyone and yet he's got a lot of Kabbalah in there which would indicate that he was one of those Kubalim who thought that people should learn Kabbalah but unlike some of those Kubalim, he gives away very little you know it's all pretty oblique and not very clear but it's there so Hakdama to Bereshis is, is, as I said, really Hakdama to the whole Torah. It's very interesting, very important uh, uh, work. And the other Hakdamot is short. They're like the one we're going to see today, which is essentially a, a nice-sized paragraph, you know. Uh, and they're really more about the Sefer in front of us. Unlike Gracious, which is sort of about the whole, as I said, the whole Torah. So these Hakdamot are, are important, and I would urge you to learn them. Uh, you know, the, the, what, what's wrong with... Um, Every profession has its downside, right? What's wrong with being a dentist? Any dentists in the uh, house? You got your hands in people's mouths all the time. You know, you have to stand up all day long. It's bad for the back. It's a downside, right? What's the downside of being a parshan? What's hard about being a commentator to the Torah? <coughs> you got to, you know, this, this, it says what it says in the Pasuk. You have to deal with what it says in the Pasuk. And what if you have something big to say, you know, that sort of uh, is more, you know, uh, uh, general and broad and all-encompassing, you're stuck, because it's not in the Pesach. And so to get around this problem, the Parshanim, by and large, wrote Hakdamot. And it gave them an opportunity to zoom, you know, to say. And, and therefore I suggest everybody's Hakdamot to everything. Everybody's Hakdamot to everything are all very good. Um, because they really are an opportunity to get out from under the burden of the Sefer that they're supposed to explain. You understand? Right? There's like this burden. I have to explain what it says. I can't just say what I think about things in general. So the Hakdamot do the trick. So here's the Ramban's Hakdamot Here we go. 
Hishrim HaKatov Sefer Bereshit. So the text, the, 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 the Bible has finished the book of Bereshit. Right? The Mikra, the Kosov, has finished Sefer Bereshit. Shehu Sefer HaYitzira B'chidush HaOlam V'yitzirat Kol Notzah. Now here you get another bonus. You also get a little insight into Sefer Bereshit. Like we thought we were doing Shmot, we're also getting Bereshit. He says, we just finished Sefer Bereshit, which is, he's not going to define for you what Sefer Bereshit is, Sefer Hayetzira, the book of creation, B'chidush, is like dealing with, dealing with, Chidush HaOlam, the creation anew, the creation from nothing of the world, the Yitzirat Kol Motzar, and the fashioning of everything that was fashioned, right? The creation of all creatures. Right? That's Sefer HaYitzirah. And which is, by the way, a word, a name for Breshit. The, the, you know, the, the, the words we use, the names we use, Breshit Shmos, they're just about the worst choices we could make. All Chazal and, and the Rishonim had better names for all of the books. Our names are very unimaginative. Our names are just the first or second or third word in the Sefer, right? It's very, un, it doesn't tell you much, right? But uh, Chazal and Rishonim had better names that really said something about the content of the book. And Sefer HaYitzirah is, there's also a book called Sefer HaYitzirah, which we won't talk about, but Sefer HaYitzirah is one of the names given to the whole book of Rishit. And it's a better name, well, Rishit is not Shabirna, because unlike, you know, Vayikra, like Vayikra, what's that about, right? Well, it doesn't tell you anything. But uh, Breshit does uh, tell you, we're talking about the beginning here. But he likes the name Sefer Hayitzira. Does anybody know another name for Sefer Breshit? Genesis. Ah. <laughs> ah, come on. Genesis is a very good name. Sefer Hayashar, is another one it's called. And there are others, there are others, they all have good names. You know, Vayikra, everybody knows this one. Torah's Kohanim, right? So they all have better names. So anyway, the Ramban Sefer HaYitzira. It tells you about Chidush HaOlam, the creation of the world, and the creation of all creatures. U and B'mikrei HaAvot, Kulam. And with what happened, it tells you about what happened to the forefathers, our forefathers, Kulam. All of, all of the things that happened to them. All the things that befell our forefathers. Shehem don't think that the stories of our forefathers are like a stia, like a uh, uh, detour from being the book of creation. Like it's the book of creation, and then you have some Jewish stories. No, no, no. The, those Jewish stories, the Avram, Yisuf, Yaakov, the Avos, the Imahos, that is a Yitzira also. It's a Yitzira Lizaran. It's a creating of something for their descendants. That's us. How so? Because everything that happened to them, all everything that befell them, their kinds of kinds of descriptions, their kinds of images, their kinds of illustrations, Lirmos, they come to hint, Lahodia, and they come to tell. Everything in the future is going to happen to their descendants. That's us. Stop. So the Ramban just said a very important and famous thing, that when the Avos do things, it's a kind of Yitzira, it's a kind of creation forward, looking forward, creation of what? What did he just say? Jewish history. What's the future? Jewish history is the future. When we say history, we usually be looking that way. Jewish history. It creates what the Jewish people, the descendants will do. Anybody knows what this is called? 
Masa Avot, Siman Lebanim. Right, that the Ramban uses that phrase. The Ramban is the king of that phrase. He uses it, to the best of my knowledge, more than any other Pashat. He really liked that idea. He uses it all over the place. And here, it's funny, he doesn't use it here, um, but he describes it here. He says that what the Avot were doing when they went around digging wells and wrestling with Esau and going down to Mitzrayim and having famines and whatever they did, it was a kind of creating a template, a model, a... Um, uh, uh, um, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's hard to know what it is. Uh, uh, a kind because because we don't want to think that it forces us into being that way, right? That would be a, a steer to bechira. We don't want to think that because I, I'll give you an example. What's a what's I think the first Ramban. I think the first one in the Ramban is when Abraham is told Lechlecha, go to Israel, and he goes to Israel, and what does he do? He leaves. He goes to Mitzrayim. There's a Rav, a Rav, and he goes to Mitzrayim. Right? Good thing or bad thing? Now listen, I'll give you a hint. Whenever you ask a question in Jewish things that you don't know the answer to, say, It's a Machlokas Rishonim. <laughs> Alright? Everybody ready? One, two, three. It's a Machlokas Rishonim. Between Rashi and the Rambam. Rashi thinks that was a great thing. Here Avraham was just told to go to Israel, and two minutes later, he has to go to Egypt. He might have complained, quetched, asked questions, made trouble, but he didn't. He quietly went to Egypt like he was supposed to. Right? That's Rashi. The Ramban says, what are you talking? Chet Gadol. It was a big sin. He should have had a Muna. He should have stayed put. He was just told to go to Israel. All of a sudden he gets a little hungry. He goes to Egypt. See what's in the refrigerator. What's wrong with him? Big sin. So it's a machokas rishonim. Between Rashi and the Ramban. Yes? And the Ramban, in explaining the sin, he says, you know, Masa of Osiva It's going to happen again when the Jews will have a Ra'av in Canaan and they'll go down to Egypt again. And you could even say, the Ramban doesn't say it, that that's the way the Jews learned how to be. That if it's not so good here, we'll go somewhere else. And what does he call the Ramban? Chet Gadol. You know, you can understand Maaseh Avot Simanabanim as a kind of bad examples. Or good examples. Sometimes they're good. They're always bad. They could be good examples. But this was a bad example set by our forefathers that we sort of get locked into. You know, you can understand sort of psychologically. You don't understand there's like something, uh, you know, Nivu'i. Although it seems Nivu'i. But you don't understand it that way as, as sort of locking us into specific times and dates and places and you got to do this and you got to do that because they did this and they did that. That's a, a, a way of understanding. And it might be right, but I would prefer to understand it as a kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be like racist, but let's say there are, there are ethnic groups that when, when you get them angry, they pull out a knife and stab you, right? Let's say it's such an ethnic group. They learned it from the first guy in their ethnic group. When you get angry, pull out a knife and stab the guy. You know, as we're, all, we're all heirs to kinds of ways of behaving, you know? And sometimes you can break the mold, you can behave differently, you can behave better, you can behave worse, right? Uh, uh, there are Jews in jail. Believe it or not, there are Jews in jail. Thousands of them, right? So they broke the mold. They're supposed to be sitting in yeshiva, and instead they're in jail. So you can break the mold, but still do these... Anyway, Masa Avot Simalabanim. So what the Avot did in Bereshis was creating a template, creating a kind of a model that 
stands in good stead through Jewish history. Uh, Yaakov and Esau, the struggle of Yaakov and Esau is sort of indicative of the struggles forever of, of the Jews and the, and the Christians, the Jews in Rome. That's the way the Ramban sees it. So that's also in British. Next. Um, third line right in the middle and once we finish this creative sort of narrative right, the book of Breshit the Torah says let's start a new book right, let's start a new book now we finished the creative book that will deal with the things that happened as that were hinted at in Breshit there's a great shit we hinted that certain things will happen. I'll go down to Egypt, there'll be a Ra'av, Pharaoh will be problematic to me, then I'll leave Berachush Gadol. Those are the Rimazim that Avram and Sarah did. And now the, uh, the Torah says, you know, now let's write a book about how those things sort of came true in a later generation. And the book of Elishmot is Mityached, it focuses. It looks at specifically the Inyan Hagalut Harishon, at the topic of that first exile, the first exile of Mitzrayim, Hanigzah, which was decreed, the Feirush, explicitly in Bereshit, and it also focuses on the redemption, the leaving of Egypt. Now, where was it explicitly decreed in Bereshit? Right? They'll go down to Egypt. Right? Right? It's explicitly. God says to Abraham. You also had the story I told you about Abraham going down to Egypt. And later on, you also have God at Brit Benedictarim, the covenant of the pieces, God telling Abraham, this is what's going to happen. They're going to go down to Egypt, and it'll be very bad, but then I'll judge the Egyptians, and they'll go out, okay? And therefore, since that's the, the, the sort of relationship between Breshit and Shemot, that Breshit is a kind of a creating the template, creating the model for what's going to happen in Shemot, and Shemot is the it happening, therefore, Chazar, the Torah sort of goes back, it goes back, and it gets a little repetitious, right? Shemot begins with the names of the children of Yaakov, who went out to Egypt, we knew that, Right? When you read the beginning of Shemot, it's not news. We read it back in Vayichi, we knew that who, who went down to Egypt, right? But he's explaining, it's okay, the Torah goes backwards, and it counts their names, and the number, you know, the Shivim Nefesh. Even though it was already written back in Bereshit, why? Because you read that Tam Sham, they're going down to Egypt uh, in Bereshit, it's the beginning, is the beginning of the exile, because that's where it really began. Stop. You know, as the Ramban says, it's not like badly edited, the Torah, when it like repeats the names and the numbers, okay, okay, repetition, it's not so well edited here, hello. No, he says, the Torah wants to like ring your bell and remind you, remember those people who went down in Bereshis? There was Joseph, and there was Benjamin. You know what that really was? It was this story. You know, Shmos is another way of, it's, a, it's another lens of looking at the end of Bereshis. The end of Bereshis, what are you thinking about? Joseph, Benjamin, Yaakov, right? What are you thinking about? Seven years of famine, seven years of this. 
But Shmos, by repeating, you know, briefly, the, the, the children who went down, they went down to Egypt, and there were 70 of them, what's it doing? It's saying, we're going to tell you the same story, but from the perspective of what this really was. It was the beginning of Gaul's Mitzrayim. And, and so we briefly remind you that story in the context of Shmos of Gaul's Mitzrayim. You with me? You understand what it's doing? Um, and then it goes on to tell the story right away, very quickly. The, the, the Pharaoh, you know, they prove, uh, prove, uh, prove, how's it go? Ubnei Israel Paru, Vayirbu, Vayishutu, Bimaud Maud, right, not prove, Paru, Vayirbu. Um, so right away, there are a lot of Jews, Pharaoh gets nervous about them, Hoven is Chachmolo, and. They're slaves, and it's really a ghost. It feels like a ghost. So Shmos tells you that story, and reconnects it to Beratius with that beginning of the, the names of Yaakov's children, as if to say, that story of them going down to Egypt, it was a, it's a ghost story. It's a story about Shia Bud Mitzrayim. The, the, the oppression of Egypt, and we'll tell it to you that way now. Okay? Okay. Um, now. Vihineh. Now behold. Hagalut einenu nishlam. This exile doesn't come to an end. Ad yom shuvam el mekomam. Until the day that they get back to their place. Mekomam. Till they get back, they return to their place. What's their place? Israel. Right? They're down in Egypt. And when is that go- in Golis? When is that going to end? Yom shuvam el mekomam. When they go back to where they, they belong, there and now pay attention to that there. It means that there and means that there are two elements to the end of Golos. This is important. There are two elements. Two things have to happen. It's not over until Yom Shuvam El Mekoman, until they get back to their place, Israel. And another thing has to happen for the goals to be over. El Ma'alat Avotam Yashuv. They have to return to the level of, the exalted level of, the stature of their forefathers. Yashuv, return. So they have to return to their Makom, their physical place, Israel. And they have to return to a certain stature. After all, in Egypt, what are they? Very quickly, after like 10 psukim, I don't know, not even. What are they? Slaves! Right? Very bad. Chazal, you know, the, the, the narrative of the Chumash, it looks bad. Chazal make it worse. And then Teshari Tumor, and it was terrible in Egypt, and they were terrible in Egypt. So, they don't only have to leave, leave Egypt and physically go back to Israel. They also have to achieve some sort of stature that was lost to them. They gotta shake themselves up. And what's their goal? Ma'alat Avotam. To the Ma'alat, the level of their forefathers. Of their forefathers. Watch this. So when they leave Egypt, right? The story, Moshe, the, the Makot, the, the Makas Mucharos, Pesach, uh, uh, going out of Egypt, Kriyas Yamsuf, they're out of Mitzrayim, right? They're no longer under the oppression of Egypt. They're no longer in a foreign land. I mean, they're in the desert, but they're not oppressed and held as slaves and as prisoners, so to speak, by the Egyptians. What is their status then? Even though they're technically out of the house of slavery, they still have to be considered exiles in Galut. Why? They were still in a land that was not theirs. 
Fablungent in the desert, right? Perplexed, bewildered, bumpering around in the desert. So they're not, you can't call that Geula. You have to call it Galut. Even though they're not slaves, even though they're not under the Egyptian rule, but they're, you know, drank around in the desert. So they're still in Galut. Then when they got to Mount Sinai, and they made the tabernacle, right, the portable Beit Mikdash, the Shav HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and God returned, returned from being away, He returned to where He once was. What's that? The Hishrash Chinato and He caused to dwell His presence. He caused His presence to dwell, His Shechina, among them. Oz Shavu, they returned, the same word. The same word that He used about the Kodesh Baruch Hu, the Shav HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God returned and His presence was with them, His Shechina was with them. At that stage, Oz Shavu, they returned to what? El Ma'Allah Tavotam to the level that their forefathers were at. In other words, when was God in this situation of being, of being present in the world that he then went away from and now comes back to? With the forefathers. With the forefathers he was present, then Golis Mitzrayim, he's absent, and now he's shoved. Right? Shuvu Banim, Shav, return, Shuvu, right? He returns, and so they return to Ding, 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 what the Ramban said was the second component of Geulah. Ma'alat avotam, the level of their forefathers. Shehaya sod eloha alei oholehem. This is a puzzle that the Ramban is quoting from Eov, that you could say about them that the counsel of God was on their tents. You know, the presence of, presence of God was with them, was on their tents. The Heim Heim HaMerkava, and they, they are the chariot. What's the chariot? Anybody know what the chariot is? If you have a chariot, what else do you have to have around it? Quickly. Horses and somebody in the chariot, right? The Merkava means the thing, or the people, or the object, or the building, or the whatever, that allows for the presence of God in the world. A Merkava is a place for God to sit, a place for God to be. What's the classic Merkava, in our thinking? The Beishmikosh, exactly! The Beishmikosh is the place where God is, right? So, Haim Haim, they, they are the Merkava. Just because the counsel of God is on their tents, the presence of God is among them, they built the Mishkan, they went to Hashinah, they built the Mishkan. So like Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, among whom God's presence was, right? God was there with them, and then during all of Ghost Mitzrayim, God wasn't with them. Now when the Jews got to Hashinah, and they built the Mishkan, now they're just like Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, right? God came back and put his presence among them as then they then returned to what we were looking for them to do they returned to the level of their forefathers which was the situation of the counsel of God the presence of God the secret mystical presence of God is on their tents you know they are the people who bring God into the world they are the people who allow for God's presence in the world. Va'az, yashivu, ge'ulim. 
And then they were considered to be Nechshavu Geulim. Redeemed. Redeemed. What's missing? Returning to Mekomem. The Ramban said that there are two elements. They have to go back to their Makom and they have to get back to some sort of spiritual height that Avarish and Yaakov had and which was lost in Gauls with China. So he says, they did it backwards. When they got out of Egypt and they stood at Har Sinai and they built the Mishkan, you have no choice. You have to admit they have achieved half of the formula that the Ramban said is the formula of redemption. They return to the ma'alat, the level, the degree that the forefathers were at. They somehow bring the presence of, world, of God into the world. They make the presence of God felt in the world. They experience the presence of God. Mishkan, temple, right? Because, and at, at that stage, nechshivu gu'ulim. They consider redeemed. So what do you have happening? What do you have happening? A kind of a split in our understanding of redemption. Because I thought the Ramban said, redemption has to have two components. You have to go back to where you belong, and you have to be on some spiritual level. Very nice, right? I mean, just going back to Israel is no big deal. Any shlub can go back to Israel, right guys? Hey, let's all, let's all look at the mirror. Any shlub can come live in Israel, right? So we can do that. Anyone can do that. Is that Gula? No, you also have to achieve such a spiritual height. What happened when the Jews left Egypt? First, they achieved the spiritual height. They're in a desert, they're not in Israel, they're jumping around in the desert, but then they have a spiritual experience, they have Hasinai, they build a temple, a Mishkan, which makes them all of a sudden be on the height that they're on a spiritual level, their forefathers were. And so the Ramban, it's like he has no choice. Nechshavu, you've got to consider them Gulim. Now watch this, Redeem, watch this. Vilachim. And that's why Nishlam HaSefer Hazer Bahashlimo Inyan HaMishkan That's why this book, which I told you was the book of redemption, right? Sefer Geula, right? Remember we said, this Nityached Sefer Velashvot Binyan HaGalut HaRishon Uba Geula Mimenu That's what this book is about. Golos and Geula. Exile and redemption. So, what should be at the end of the book? If the beginning of the book is exile, what's the end of the book? Redemption. So, are they in Israel at the end of the book? No, they're not. Velochein, bottom line, Nishlam HaSeifah, this book ends with, with the completion of the Inyan, of the topic of the Mishkan. The Mishkan is fully built, ready to go, and then you go right to Baikra, you start using the Mishkan, you start making Kabbalos, right? But the building's done, at the end of Shemot. Ubihiyot, and at that stage we have Kvod Hashem, Maleototamin. And you have also the presence of God building the Mishkan. That's how Shemot is very dramatic. You get towards the end of Shemot, and Moshe succeeds, and they build the Mishkan, and the Anan comes down, and my God, we did it! The presence of God in the world. We did it. And that's the end of the book. Even though they're not in Israel. And you know what? When we finish the whole Torah, not in Israel. When you think about it, the whole rest of the Torah after the book of Shemot is what? Vayikra is all about the Mishkan again. Well, a lot, a lot about the Mishkan. You know, it's, okay, now you have a Mishkan. What do you do with it? What do you do in it? The Korbanos. Then there's a lot of laws, right? Like starting from uh, um, Kedoshim. 
Starting from Kedoshim, in Vayikra is like a switch. We're done with the Kabbalah, so we go to good laws, right? That's how you call it. Then Bamidbar talks about them in the Midbar, it has a few more laws. And then Devarim sort of summarizes everything. <laughs> Not a lot of new stuff, and a few more laws, right? And they're getting ready to go to Israel. When the book is over, are they in Israel yet? No. And we leave that 50% of Geula for the book of Yeshua, which is a nice book, but it's not in the Torah. The last time I looked, Yeshua is not in the Torah. Right? It's a very nice book, very important book. Right? Anybody here ever was in the Israeli army? When, you, when they swear you were in the Israeli army, they often read the first paragraph of Yeshua. You know, they give everybody a tenat, so they might as well read something, right? So they read, Rak, don't laugh. They read the first part of Yeshua, it's the right parrot. Here we go, we're going to Israel now. Right, we're going to Israel now. They don't go into Israel by the end of the Torah. So not only is the Ramban like making excuses for Sefer Shmos, and he says, that's where he's like the last line, that's how come by the end of the book they're still in the midbar. Because they really are nechshavu gu'ulim. you got to consider them redeemed. Because they have a mishkan, they have the presence of God, they have ma'alat avotam, they have the level of their forefathers. And in fact, I'm adding, the whole Torah is sort of happy for them to not be in the... I'm not so happy. It assumes that they're going to go to Israel. It wants them to go to Israel. It tells them what to do when they get. It looks forward to going to Israel. But it's happy to end without them in Israel. Right? Now... So we have like a kind of like a kind of split, like a kind of dichotomy. You have the to go back to your place, right? You have the, the notion of Gaula needing the element of uh, the element of Shuvam El Mekomam and the element of Malat Avotam Yashuvu, returning to the level of their forefathers. And all we're gonna get in all of Shemos and all of Ayikra and all Bamikra and all Dram is the second one is the experience of Harsinai, the experience of being a Mishkan, of building a Mishkan, the experience of having God's presence among the people, being the people who have God among them. And that's what you get. And the other half, you don't get. Now what does this say about these two elements? What does it teach us about these two elements? What do you think? I mean, you know, this is not like a right or wrong question. Yes. The Shechina represents, in a sense, the Malot Avotam, just as the Akurifoko was Machia Shinose on the Ovos, they were the Merkova, and the Merkova is the place in which the Akurifoko was Machia Shinose, but that's a Mokom. So the Mishkan was a Mokom. Just as Hashinai was the first place which the Jewish people came to 
And Ramban says, which is the mother? So you want to learn more radically. You're saying, let's be more radical. You're saying, the Ramban never even meant that you have to get Israel Bichlal. That's what you're saying. There's a mitzvah of Yishra. I'm saying this Ramban. Right, right. I'm saying this Ramban. Yes, sir. So you're being more radical. Yes, sir. No, this is very good. I'm just saying, that is my understanding. No, no, no. Listen, when someone says to you, you're being more radical, Embrace it. Embrace it. You're being more radical. It's terrific. You're being more radical. I, I don't agree with your pshat. I don't, I'll, tell, I'll show you why. But, but it's not fair. You're saying, look, I don't... You're saying like this. You're saying... You're saying that outside of Eretz Yisrael is the bottom of the Jewish people. The bottom of the Jewish people is where the Shechina is. Right. The Shechina is in Eretz Yisrael. It's chosen now. Why are you arguing with yourself? Why are you arguing, arguing with yourself? You made a good point. You're saying, okay, but you made a, a strong point. You said, maybe there's no tension here. Maybe, I said there's tension. I said the Ramban said they have to go back to the place, which I assumed is Israel. You very rightly point out, doesn't say Israel, good. And then, but then, we never fulfill that element of Gola. The only element we fulfill, I'm saying, in my pshat. Right, I'm saying my pshat. We never fulfill that element We only fulfill the element of ma'alat avotam. Getting to the exalted state, as you said, of the shekhinahs among them. Right? So, so I found a tension in the Ramban. You're saying, there's no tension. He never thought that they to be gulim, to be redeemed. He never thought they have to go to Israel. There's another passion, there's another story. You have to go to Israel. That's different. But to be considered redeemed, you don't have to go to Israel. You don't have to go to Israel. That's what you're saying. Uh, the reason I, I, I like it, it's good. The reason I disagree with it is because the Ramban is very careful, I think, to say, four lines up from the bottom of the last word, he repeats that phrase. As I think the Ramban pretty consistently distinguishes between those two things. There's a Shuvam El Makomam, which he never mentions again because they don't do it. And then there's a Lashuv El Malat Avotam, which they do. So I think, that's why I like my Pshat. And the truth is, in your Pshat, we, we still have the question, what about Eretz Yisrael, but not in this Ramban. So I would rather have the question in the Ramban. So we're going to stick with my Pshat. We're going to stick with my Pshat. Yeah, but then they got to have Sinai. See, then they got to have Sinai. So that's his Pshat is, oh, then they got to have Sinai. In the next phrase. So his point was, he doesn't call it Nebuchim Bamibar, he doesn't call it Eretz Lohem when he gets to have Sinai. That's a kind of a rival out of Makom. He said, what's your name? Nasser is saying, I remember you from the Yivat HaMiftar. Remember you used to come to the Yivat HaMiftar? You don't remember? <laughs> I, yes you did, I'll remind you later. Let's go fight it, let's go fight it. I, I, I hear his pshat, but, but, I, but I do think that, that my pshat is right. How else? I do think my pshat is right. I think that the Ramban does make those two components, and he then says one component is not going to happen. Not on our watch. Not in Shmos and not in the whole Chumash. So, let me, coming back to this dichotomy. Come back. 
What the Ramban is setting up is a dichotomy that is, it, it, it's, we, it's, it's every day. We say it every day. Uh, one of the things that we think we are here in Israel, and we don't call ourselves modern Orthodox. That was back in America. Here we call ourselves Datilu Umi. Right? At least all right-thinking people do. We call ourselves Datilu Umi. What does it mean Datilu Umi? I'm also Dati, but I'm also Umi. You know, there's two things. There's two things. There's this thing called Dati, which is about what? My relationship with God, my bringing God into the world, my learning Torah, as you said, my learning Torah, my having a relationship with the Torah, right? The basic Mikdash in theory we don't have today. And there's this thing called the Umi, a land of Israel, and a state, and an army, and, and a Makom, and a Makom makes certain demands, right? You have a Makom, you have to do things. You have to put a fence around it, you have to put guard posts around it, you have to do something inside of it. It's a Makom. So the Ramban is pointing out like this, he's saying, you know, this is going to be a hard sentence for me to say, you know, the Haredim have a point. <laughs> the Haredim have a point. It's hard to say that if you have achieved a height of religious experience, that you're missing something. Nechshavu gevulim. you got to consider that redeemed. Having reached the end point. You have to say that. I know that there's a thing called Mashuv El Mikomenu. I know there's a thing called, and the Ramban, we like to say the Ramban is a Tzirayi, right? The Ramban says the Mitzvah of uh, Yeshua uh, Yisrael, and the Ramban says the Mitzvahs in, in Chutzpah don't count. They're all Midrabanan, right? That's the Ramban. And the Ramban says that Avram did a sin by leaving Israel going to Mitzrayim. There's a lot of Tzirayi Rambans. And yet, the Ramban has to, apparently, tell the truth. And the truth is, and this is a, 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 an interesting tension in Jewish life, that Israel is real, you know, Tzuyani Tzuyani, very nice, very important. The Torah certainly points us in that direction. The Torah talks about getting you to Israel and setting things up in Israel. But the Torah also is about an exalted religious experience and being in a religious position in the world. And that can happen in a midbar. That can happen with a mishkan, a portable, not a real makom, not a permanent makom, but a movable mishkan, a movable makom. Right? And this is the Jewish experience throughout Golis. That, that Oh, so I'm not saying that, that this side erases the other side. It doesn't erase. The dati doesn't erase the lumi, and the lumi doesn't erase the dati. In other words, right, there are mitzvahs you can only do in Israel. And right, there's a mitzvah to live in Israel anyway you slice it. I mean, the Rambam, who doesn't count as one of the tiny mitzvahs, the Rambam, he still says you should live in Israel, right? But, with the Rambam, by saying, is, I think, saying, that you, you can't be such a tzioni, you can't be such a tzioni, right, a Zionist, such a, a l'umi person to deny the absolute centrality and absolute importance of this exalted religious experience wherever it takes place. Wherever it takes place. That I think is what the Ramban is saying. And when I, when I learn this Ramban, I always think, I don't know why it's not so common, you'll see why in a minute, I always think there's a Ramban. It's in the book that talks about his life. Pulos at Tzaddik? No, no, no. Pulos at Tzaddik. It's a little black book. 
It's about like this, you know, this week he did this and then, and then goes to Israel and comes back. It's called Pulos at Tzaddik. Little black book. The one I have, a little black book. And it's written by Rav Nassim, his student, like everything. And he says that before he went to Israel, you know, in an early stage, he went to the Baal Shem Tov's Keter. His grandfather, Baal Shem Tov, he went to his Keter. His great-grandfather. No. It's complicated. Wasn't he his grip? You sure? There's nothing with this? I, every time I say grandfather, people correct me and say great-grandfather. Then I go and see that, no, he was his grandfather. But all right, great-grandfather. Um, he went to his kever. And his description of going to the kever, he says, when I got to, it was like being in Eretz Yisrael. And then when I went in further, it was like being Yushalayim. Then I went further, it was like being Harabayim. Then when I went really into the kever, it was like being Kodshkadosh. And you, you, know, you read it, you say, you know, ah, so not a Tzioni. And we want to make... Nachman Tzioni too, right? We want to make everybody a Tzioni, right? Nachman was a Tzioni. He made Aliyah. He came to Israel. He only left because he had to. Why did he leave? I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Napoleon. He left because of Napoleon. Napoleon shelled uh, Akko. Napoleon was off of Akko in the boats and he shelled Akko and the Turks and the British came with like an armada and beat Napoleon. That's when he left. Uh, the Middle East. That's when he gave up conquering, you know, he conquered the Middle East, he conquered Egypt, Yafo, went up the coast, tried to conquer Akko. And he shelled Akko, and many of the Jews, and non Jews also, I guess, I don't know about that so much, left the country. They thought the Polyan War will all get killed, they left the country. And that's where Nachman left Israel, right? 1799, 1800, right? So be that as it may, Rav Nachman says what the Ramban is saying in a way. He says, you know, Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, when I'm with the Baal Shem Tov, when I'm communing with the Baal Shem Tov, when I'm out as Kever, I'm in Eretz Yisrael. I, I, I'm, I'm, it's Gola for me. It's, it's the height for me. It's, I've arrived. I'm where I want to be as a Jew. I did not, did not understand there's also a place called Eretz He did understand. I don't know about me when. I see that as a problem. Then that's what Geula is for. This is the Geula for Rambam. That's the Geula for Rambam. Somebody else have I, I hate to break it to you, but there are a lot of religious Jews who don't live in Israel. Yeah, I know. You know. That's a problem. Why don't they live in Israel? Because it is Ramban. They don't have to know this Ramban to feel this Ramban. They feel, they feel, look, look what I have, Bobapah. I was, in, I was in, in Crown Heights three weeks ago for the first time, I think it might have, no, 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 since I was 11 years old. I remember when I was 11 years old, the young Israel of Red Crest and Bayswater took his log bomber to 770, right? I remember. <laughs> and since then I haven't been in Crown Heights, and I was in Crown Heights a few weeks ago. It's unbelievable, it's just unbelievable. It's every Hebrew, Yiddish, they're walking around like they're on the place, right? It's like unbelievable. They, without, with or without knowing this Ramban, they feel we have, we've done it. In this place, I feel there's a presence of God. In this place, I feel that we have it going. There's Torah, and there's mitzvahs, and there's the presence of God. And why should we leave? Now, it's true that they live in a world that also says to them, Israel, Israel, you should come to Israel, Israel. So they live with that tension a little bit, right? There is, there's a Kabbalah, there's, there are Haredim, I'll tell you another secret. They're Haredim who live in Israel. They're Haredim who make Aliyah. Because they want to live in Israel. So I don't, I don't want to make this like too simplistic. Haredim, that, but it's, it's complicated. All of us carry around this dichotomy. All of us carry around, is it, is it about being in Israel? Or is it about having a religious experience? Well, you know, both. It's always good to do both. It's always good to do both. But sometimes they're at odds in some way. 
And the Ramban is pointing out that in the history of the Jewish people when they left Egypt, one happened for a long time, 40 years, and the other didn't. Not till 40 years later. And so while that one was happening, that was a kind of guru. That's what the Ramban is, is teaching us. Okay? Yes. No, no, I'm sorry, the guy behind you. I'm sorry, the guy behind you. Yes. That's what the Ramban means. And why he makes the first statement, he makes the statement that you need both. Right. He contradicts himself. Exactly. He, he, why, why, if you knew he meant the second, why did he say Because there's a tension. Because... In a perfect world, you have the whole thing. In a perfect world, you have, you know, uh, uh, your Dati your and your Lu'umi, and they work together, and you don't feel a stira, you don't feel a tension, you don't feel a contradiction, but, and that's our goal. But what happened to Lemaisa? Lemaisa, the two were torn apart by circumstance. By circumstance. That the Jews didn't run past Israel and build a base of Instead, they traded around the desert. They went to Hasinai, they built the Mishkan, they traded around Samoa, 40 years worth. And so there was a kind of uh, uh, a tearing apart, in a way, of these two elements that should. I agree with you. At the beginning, they said, Vav, this and this, that's Geula, this and this. But then he says, but the truth is, what they got was this. And I have to, begrudgingly or not begrudgingly, nechshavu ge'ulim. I have to call that a kind of gula. That's exactly the point. You're, you're right. The, the Ramban says, this is what you want, but here, for 40 years at least, this is what they got. And that's a kind of gula too. And that's, that's the point we'll make this evening. Who else had it? Yes. Well, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think you're absolutely right. And it agrees with what you said. You know what you said? That when Mashiach comes, which is a kind of end point in a lot of Jewish thinking, right? There's a gracious and there's a Mashiach. That's one way of looking at it. At the end point, then we'll achieve a combining of the two dynamics of the two elements or the two pillars let's say of what redemption should be and I agree I, I think that's a goal I think it's a goal as you said for the Ramban that you know uh, ideally those two things come together and coexist okay yes yeah I think that we're missing a very very important point the Ramban considers Gula the Jew finds his place, and the place is where the Shina is. And then he has to work on himself to reach the Malot of the Oaks. There is no doubt in my mind that there cannot be a total religious experience for the Jewish people outside of Eretisra. It could be on a personal, individual level. But as the Jewish people as a nation, the Rebunit Shalom told Abraham Avino, the place for the Jewish people is Eretz Yisrael. One second. I couldn't agree more. When HaKadosh Baruch made a brief with them, it was dependent on one thing, that he would give them Eretz Yisrael and to their descendants. When the Ramban speaks of the Heshuva El Nekomon, he means to take Mibar Sinai and transplant Mibar Sinai in Eretz Israel. And that's what the Mishkan represented. 
the Mishkan was the taking of Midbar Sinai through the 40 years into the Midbar, coming into Eretz Israel, and eventually building the permanent Mishkan of Midbar in Yerushalayim. But there is no doubt in anyone's mind that according to the Rabban, the total Gugula can only be realized in Eretz Yisrael. Couldn't agree more. We said those are, those are two components that he Lechatechila wants, that he absolutely wants, but, but which were in the way I'm learning, which was separated in the time of the Midbar. Hang on one second. Hang on one second. I also want to add, you know that what you're saying about the identity of the Mishkan and the Harsina experience, you're taking that for the Ramban's Hakdamat of Ayikra. That's in the Rambam's Hakdamah which proves that you should learn the Hakdamah. I want, I, I like what you're saying, it's fine, it's great, you said it, it's great. Hang on, I promised that we're going to do a little bit of the Parsha Mamish, so let's do that right now. Okay, we finished this, we're good, it's done. Let's take a look at this one passage from this week's Parsha. You see Shmos perfect base. Vahaya hadam lachem laos, al habatim asheratem sham, v'ra'iti et adam ufasachti. This is in the run-up to the plague of the firstborns, the Makat Pecholot, and the Jews, of course, the Israelites have to do the first Seder, Seder Mitzrayim, right? Pesach Mitzrayim, and they have to take a, a lamb, slaughter the lamb, and put the blood on the doorposts, right? And it says, the blood will be an oat, a sign on your houses, a Sham, um, uh, and I will see the sign and skip over, pass over the houses and not punish you with the Makat Pechorot, okay? So, the simple thinking is that you mark your house, right? There are Egyptians and there are Jews and you take the blood, you go outside, you put it on the outside and everyone can see, there's a Jewish house. God can see, the Egyptians, we, we make the statement, we're not like them, we're like us. We make a, a sign, so to speak, outside our house, differentiating ourselves, distinguishing ourselves from the Egyptians, which is a kind of creating of Jewish identity, a kind of creating of, of uh, 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 Jewish national, national uh, um, consciousness, by putting the blood on the door. Look at Rashi. V'haya hadam lachem la'ot, lachem la'ot, v'lo la'achirin. Rashi is, is uh, uh, bringing us a drasha on that extra word, v'haya hadam lachem la'ot. The Kedusha said, v'haya hadam la'ot. The blood will be a sign. What does that say? A sign for you? It's a sign. It's for whoever sees the sign. What do you mean for you? No, no, it's just for you. How so? We can, from this we learn, Shalom Natnu Hadam. They didn't put the blood, Elamibifnim. They didn't put it outside, they put it inside. They put it inside. They didn't put the blood outside the doorpost, like a mezuzah today. They didn't do that. Right? A lot of people will sort of make that connection. Mezuzah, the blood, kind of an announcing that this is a Jewish house from the outside. No! They put it on the inside, so the oath, the sign was only for them. For their eyes only. Right? So the question is, what's the point? What, what kind of statement are you making? Hey, hey, there's a Jewish house, not an Egyptian house. We're like us, we're not like them. We're part of us, we're not part of them. If it's only inside, you're not making that statement. What is Rashi want? I mean, it says, Rachem, that's what it says. So why, why does God, why does God want it to be this way, according to Rashi? Any ideas? So we'll finish with a very famous uh, uh, statement by the Kutzke, right? The Kutzke Rebbe was a very well-known Hasidic master. He said a famous, uh, I bet you some of you heard this. 
I guess he said in Yiddish. I only know it in English, which I'm sure he didn't say. I'm sure he didn't say it in English. Um, and it goes like this. this it's quoted all the time, right? If I am I, because I am I, and you are you, because you are you, then I am I, and you are you. But if I am I, because you are you, and you are you, because I am I, then I'm not I, and you're not you. In other words, for a definition to be real, for an identity to be real, it has to be internal. It has to be about what it's about and not what it isn't. If I define myself, you see, you see this one? I'm not like that one. That's why I'm the one who's not like that one. So I'm not me. I'm not like that one. There's no me. There's no content to the me. It's all just negation of other possible identities. But there's no identity that I'm creating. I'm just negating possible identities. I'm left with like a non-identity. But if I say, I'm me because I'm this and I'm that and I like this and I do that and I think this and I believe that, that's an identity. So if the Jews have been told, put the blood on the outside to say, we're not Egyptian. We're not Egyptian. We're Jews. That's who we are. Not Egyptian. So that would be, like the Kutzka says, they would be them only because they're not Egyptians. And that would be the sum total of their identity. We're not like them. Ah, what are you? I don't know. We're not like them. So Hashem told them to blow on the inside. To say, what we are is what we are in here. In this house. That's what we are. With the Karban Pesach, with the mitzvah of the Seder, with the eating of the Morah, with the eating of the Matzah, with the anticipating going to Israel getting out of Egypt, being free with the people who value freedom. All in here. Our identity is all in this house. The blood is inside. We're saying it to ourselves. We're the people to whom God said, take a lamb and kill the lamb and put the blood on the inside of your house so you can think about what goes on inside this house. That's what Jews are. Not, not like those no good Egyptians. That's not an identity. That's just a nasty attitude. Okay? From the passion. Okay, Shabbat Shalom everyone.